Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. This is Scott Merkin for the White Sox podcast, and I'm joined here by former White Sox players Brian Anderson and John Eli. And first of all, thank you guys for, we're here at Harry Carey's Restaurant in Chicago, eating a lot of potato chips right now before we uh, before we started the podcast. But I think we're ready to, ready to talk now. Thanks for joining me, first of all. You know, one of the things that is being focused on right now is, is the White Sox have kind of gone into this rebuild. They're going young. And you guys were both highly touted prospects. I don't know if you were Yohan Moncada touted, you know, the number one position player, the number one pitcher in all of baseball, but very high, you know, third round pick, first round pick. What's it like when you come into the game and you have that kind of, I don't know if it's pressure, well, I guess it is pressure on you, when, right before you've even taken a, thrown a pitch or hit a pitch. Well, I remember for me, first off, thank you for finally picking up a tab. Uh, <laughs> number two. Yeah, I haven't yet. Um, yeah, thank you for the water and free chips. Um, yeah, actually, the one thing I specifically remember is, you know, I got called up in 05 and obviously we won the World Series, which was an amazing experience, but um, the pressure finally got to me the following year. Um, I know that Mancata is probably, a, you know, if he's not the high, most highly touted prospect in baseball, I mean, he's one of them, and, uh, you know, he, he, as far as expectations, he's, he's extremely gifted, but, you know, for me, it was tough because coming in to 2006, um, you know, winning the World Series, the expectations are astronomical, so, I mean, we had just traded Rowan, and so I had an opportunity to slip in there and play center field, but uh, you know, I, I had never really struggled until that season, and so struggling in a, on a team in which just won the World Series, I mean, it was it was a pressure unlike anything I'd ever seen. Right, I, I would 100% agree with you on that, actually. I, I remember when I first started playing uh, minor league ball, I never really... I never really 100% felt the pressure that some people, I guess, say that they would uh, associate with professional baseball because at that point it was still, I was coming out of college where it was still a game all I cared about was winning. Uh, then once you start to see um, the, the implications that are that go along with playing professional baseball, the money, the, uh, the level, the people behind you, I think once I started to struggle, like you said, I'm glad you brought that up, that's when the... Um, that's when the pressure really started to mount, and for me, it was in it was in the major leagues where I really struggled for the first time heavily in 2010. Uh, 
cruised through my first few starts, uh, first few months, even even my first half, and then when I hit a wall, um, I started to look, oh crap, hey, there's everybody behind me. There's everybody with the, the spotlight. It's not all sunshine and rainbows anymore. Everybody's, that, that, that magnifying glass focuses on you, and it feels like every little thing that you do, and that's when the pressure really starts to mount. I think Makata, somebody like that, somebody like these guys that are really, I mean, their, their talent is so, it's so much better than, than, than what you usually see. Uh, I mean, these, some of these guys, I mean, my cop is like one of those one of those guys. I mean, Brian, you, you've seen him play probably. I mean, I, I'm not, I can't speak to the tools that some of these guys have um, positional-wise because I was a pitcher and, I'm, you know, I was a non-athlete from, <laughs> from what everybody likes to say. Um, but these guys that need to get to the big leagues and struggle, I think that's where they really first start to feel that pressure. How tough is that because you guys are all good in high school. If you go to college, you're good in college. And then we've seen a couple guys with the White Sox in the last maybe five or six years, and you mentioned yourself that your first struggles are on the biggest stage. You know, I mean, now it's like you're being covered every day, games are telecast every day. It's not like if you go over 20 in Great Falls or have a five-year in Great Falls. You know, people who look at it up online will see it, but how tough is that to struggle and get the biggest, but for you, I guess I'm going to ask you first, you know, on the, when your first struggles, you have to handle it on the biggest stage. Well, even going through the minors, I was really raw. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I, I pitched and played center field, so I was always really a pitcher in my mindset, but, you know, as I had some success in college and in minor leagues uh, as an outfielder, um, I kind of, I, I never really looked. I never had that problem where I looked behind me, kind of wondering, like, who was behind me. Uh, but like John had said, when you get to the big leagues, you start struggling a little bit, then, yeah, that can be an issue. But uh, I was so raw. I knew even when I was watching video of myself that my swing didn't look, like, as polished as other hitters. But when I see Moncada swing, I mean, you can tell. The one thing I noticed about him or the two things I noticed was physically how big he was, how big and strong he was, which seems to be the trend uh, in Cuba, whatever. But uh, whatever, what, I, I don't like to make speculations, but whatever's in the water down there, I want some. Uh, and number two is, I, I, it took me all of about two or three swings watching him on some video to realize, like, he has a major league swing. There's He's not special. much that the pitch, or the hitting coach is going to have to do with him other than approach. I mean, he'll strike out a lot to get going, but, I mean, that's just what comes with really big prospects and a lot of upside. And you, you're now on the flip side of it. You know, they picked up Lucas Giolito, they picked up Michael Kopech, and you're going to be the pitching coach at Great Falls this year. Which is, is it kind of weird being the pitching coach where you pitched at one <laughs> time? I talked to Matt Zaleski about that. Who, Matt went through every level you know, oh, yeah, down there, oh, yeah. and he, he saw him off, but now you're a pitching coach at the level where you played. Is it kind of weird? Yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, it is a little bit, uh, especially. I was out there for interest, and I got to see a couple. I didn't get to see the, any of the trade guys, right. obviously. However, yeah. but uh, I did see some of our prospects and everything else. And yeah, the, the transition is a little different. And uh, seeing seeing all the, the old coaches that I had in the locker room, and now I'm, you know, we're colleagues, and we're all working toward them. And hearing the hearing the sides of uh, what their thought process is, and trying to relate to them, and not be a player and be a coach. That that uh, yeah, you're that that is interesting and. I mean, I never, I never had the the arm that some of these guys do that, that are coming in. This is, I mean, you look at what some of these guys are capable of doing that that we just traded for, and some of the guys that we just got in the draft. Uh, but I'm, I tell you what, if I was a White Sox fan, which I am, I, it's this is a good time to be excited about what's going on. This is this is gonna be a, a serious. I mean, when you talk about rebuild, they're, they're bringing in the right pieces, and and yeah, that transition is coach, but it's it's gonna be a hell of a lot easier when you're looking at it with the talent that we have that's coming in, especially with our, with our new scouting staff that we have. They're making the right moves, and and. 
I'm extremely excited about what we're doing. Is it you guys are both young guys? I mean, you guys both, you know, there are guys who are not even talking Bartolo Colon or anyone mm. else who are so. So is it tough when you come to that point? And I know Brian, you tried going into pitching it too. Do you think to, to have another shot of the curve like Brian went to pitching? Or <laughs> I think well, I think in, in camp when, when Brian and I were together with the Dodgers, I, I often challenged him to an outfield off, and I still think I could probably win that today. But <laughs> maybe maybe not as much hitting. I, I I might have more power than he does, but not as much speed. But, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, I don't I don't think so. I, I like that's a much harder transition. Pitchers that think that they can they can hit every day. That's a I mean come on guys. Um, there's a few special individuals that can do that, like Rick A. Keel, I think, is the, the pedigree for that. I think Dontrell Willis probably could have done it. Um, other than that, like, you're, you're probably kidding, yourself, <laughs> kidding right. yourself. I know I couldn't have done it. But, uh, yeah, Brian could probably speak to that more because he tried to make the transition as a pitcher. Well, yeah, one thing I learned with John in camp was he was my catch partner, so what was funny is I remember <laughs> we both thrown in a sim game or, like, you know, as live as it gets, and you know, John breezed through it and just kind of did what he does best. You know, he crafty and throws hard and has a cutter and all that stuff. I just, you know, tried to rip and throw 95 plus, and it worked for me because I had good off-speed stuff, but unfortunately, and I said this in a few of the interviews I've done on radio and TV, is, you know, it, it you never realize that it's never just performance-based when you're pitching. It's always a, a matter, at least for me, with staying healthy. I really thought that staying healthy, uh, you know, wasn't that big of a deal. Like, who cares? you got to pitch two, three days in a row. But in actuality, playing catch with him those following days, I mean, he's stretching it out, 120, 200 feet getting a long toss in I'm like buddy I'm I can't throw it 60 feet right now and it, it really is it, it's incredible how some of these guys are able to throw and bounce back I, I I truly believe that some of the best talent talented pitchers I'm sure you'll never ever hear or see is not because they don't have the talent it's because they can't stay healthy right how, how tough is it when you get to an age a young age where you can tell you play and you decide I gotta go into coaching or I'm gonna go into business or I'm gonna try and go into broadcasting how tough is it not, I got to but I, this is what I want to do the avenue to play is not probably not there anymore. Is, is it a hard, especially when you're you know pretty highly touted coming into the coming in on the, on the front end? You, there's, you don't you don't replace that competition. You don't replace that level that you get to when you're in the major leagues. And I, I wasn't there. I wasn't even there. I wasn't there for as long as Brian. I wasn't there. You know, I was there for what uh, three seasons, parts of three seasons or four, whatever it was, and. It, you don't. You, I mean, even for the the brief time that I spent, you don't replace that with anything. There's nothing you can do. You can't just jump into a beer league game. You can't go and and uh, and do anything differently that that replaces what that gives you. So yes, it is hard. And yes, there is constantly. Gonna, I still think right now that if I were to jump on a mound against anybody in the world, I could beat them. And there's that's never going to go away. And I'm sure Brian feels exactly the same way. If he were to step in the box against the best pitchers in the world right now, I bet you he thinks he can compete. Um, and he probably could. That's the thing. That's that's the hardest part because they're not that far away. It's just everything that goes into it and the, and the overall health, like like he had just talked about. Being able to stay healthy and being able to maintain that high of a level is so much harder than people give it credit for. Uh, it, it, it takes so much mental just perseverance and, and physical physical um, will and grit and everything everything else that comes with it. it it's, it's tough. It's very hard to get over that hump of not playing anymore, in, in my opinion. It was for I don't know about you, Brian. What do you think? Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's really only two reasons why you stop playing. It's because the team doesn't want you anymore. Like, the ability's not there. Your ability's not there. Or, you know, you just get too old. I mean, you get hurt. So, um, 
I, I remember last year when I went back with the stocks in 15. I, I truly believe, like John said, there was I, I was mentally in a much better place than I was when I was playing. I was having great at-bats. I felt great in the outfield. I mean, they were putting me in right and center field. I was throwing guys out. My arm felt great. and I, I, I was just convinced that at worst I was going to be in extended or, or go to AAA and just be ready to get called up. You know, unfortunately, around at third base uh, on, in a scrimmage and just blew my quad out and, you know, tore something or pulled something. And at that point, you know, you only get so many whacks at it. I mean, you only get so many opportunities. And fortunately, the White Sox were, you know, gracious enough to let me come back into camp. And, you know, they didn't have to uh, let me do that. And, you know, it was a little bit of some closure for me, too, knowing, like, hey, I could probably still go out there. But, you know, at 33 years old at the time and pulling my quad and, you know, they're not going to pay you, you know, whatever it is they're paying you a decent amount of money to sit there and, you know, ice your leg while there's, you know, 30 <laughs> other guys trying to take your position. Right. I guess kind of wrapping it up, what advice would you have to these guys who are coming in that are maybe not necessarily first-round picks, but these guys, Sox specifically, that are part of this rebuild that everyone's so excited about because, you know, the team has a firm direction. And they're probably going to struggle even if they end up being great. You're looking at a guy like Carlos Rodon who went through some growing pains and now is positioned at the top of the rotation. What kind of advice do you guys give to kind of handle that, that pressure? Well, John had touched on it earlier is that, you know, there's so much focus on you. When you're out playing, whether you're pitching or you're playing center field, you're hitting, you always think that all eyes on you. And for, in some aspects, that's that's the case. But, you know, the one thing I would tell a, a young player coming up is play your game and, you know, you're never as, as good as you think you are, but you're never ever as bad as you are. So even in your worst of times, you know, the chances are not everyone's sitting there t thinking about how terrible you are. And even if they are, screw it. You know, just go out there and play and, and uh, just let your abilities work. You're there for a reason. Yeah, we, we, could, we could sit here and talk for another 20 minutes about what people really really need to know coming in. Uh, I wish I could tell myself half that stuff, but uh, really, Brian just, just nailed the, the main premise of this is you, I mean, you need to not get too high, you can't get too low, which was perfectly said, and don't listen to what people are saying, but always be hustling constantly constantly you're never good enough you, you always can know more knowledge is power in this game and and uh, the stronger you are mentally the stronger you will be as a baseball player um, that to me that's the best advice you could possibly have know more every day study more every day because the it's it's like it's like taking a class in college you can't ever be too prepared and if and if you're ready then you know you're ready and your confidence will just take you through the rest of the season you'll be you'll be good quick last thing like 30 seconds greatest moment that you guys each had in your career Brian. oh gosh i'd probably choose three i'd say the world series uh hitting a couple bombs off felix because he's not very good and uh uh just uh, that, that final out in the 08 game, just that experience, the blackout game was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, could you have asked me, uh, you know, first? Because I got nothing to follow that. No. Uh, pitching at Wrigley Field for me, because uh, coming up, I had probably I, I, I had countless friends there that uh, came in support. I didn't realize that I had that many people that liked me. So uh, going going deep into the game, carrying a no hitter deep into that game, and then uh, eventually losing, but getting to pitch in front of my uh, my, my whole family and my whole uh, friends. Staff and that that and and getting to um, win my first game in Dodger Stadium in front of that crowd was was absolutely incredible. All right, well, I want to thank both you guys for uh, joining me in the podcast, and good luck to both you. We'll talk to you in the future. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Absolutely, thanks, guys.
MLB.TV Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.TV Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.